Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Helger, and this is a special episode because the whole episode is haunted. That's right. We've got two Halloween-esque picks. That's true. Today's content. That's true. So, AJ, just go ahead and, and, and play that weird public domain ska you found. Light them up, AJ. Imagine it's happening. Imagine it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny because AJ does bring kind of everything to life, obviously, in many ways. Yeah, but it so really is just, Steven and I sitting in our bedrooms alone, <laughs> completely silent, staring at each Thanking other. Thanking no one. In the eyes yeah. via webcam on Skype. <laughs> yeah, I've also never, truth be told, I've never met AJ, to be honest. For oh, all yeah. I know, he's like your Tyler Durden or like a ghost. <laughs> Anything's you know? possible. I've never heard you speak at the same time. I've never seen you both in the same place. There's that photograph, heavy quotes, that like is obviously photoshopped by mm-hmm. a ghost yeah. who also edits our podcast. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that a ghost edits our podcast. Yeah. It is probably like, what the fuck? I put in the blood, sweat, and tears to make this, and you're calling me a ghost? Yeah, we should well, shout yes. out AJ. AJ, hire AJ to uh, produce your podcast. He's good at his job. Yes. I'm going to, oh, weird. This is so weird, Brendan. I just found a Ouija board under my desk. Uh-huh. I'm going to quickly, I'm going to quickly light some incense. Just, you know, not unrelated. I just want some, you know, good aromas. <laughs> but I have the Ouija board set up. <clears throat> And I'm going to communicate with uh, AJ, our ghost friend who edits the podcast, and I'm going to let him speak to the audience just real quick via Ouija. <laughs> via Ouija. I love it. I love it. Let's do it. Okay. I have, I, have my, I have my pointer finger and thumb on the weird triangle with a magnifying glass on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the official word is for it. Yeah. I've never seen somebody do a Ouija board by themselves, but um, you know, just know that all the way from here on the East Coast, I'm, I'm sending my uh, spectral vibes your if way. You're looking at a, if you're looking at a map of the U.S. and suddenly Chicago <laughs> burns. <laughs> oh, this is weird. Chicago actually did burn down. Cut this out, ghost AJ. <laughs> Back to the back to the bit. Okay, I'm 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 I uh, I'm fully I'm fully set to speak to a ghost, and I'm gonna let him speak to the audience and give you ten seconds, AJ. Ready? Go. Oh my gosh! Thank you for freeing me, Stephen. Brendan cursed my spirit to live in my computer to only edit podcasts, and oh no, no, what's happening? No! Cool. Oh, weird. My Ouija board went up in a blue flame. Yeah, um, but it's doesn't it's really hurt good. I, it brought out your eyes, actually. Yeah, my eyes are oddly blue. Yeah, uh, they're green, but they change apparently. Yeah, is it is it common? Is it a thing to have someone tell you your eyes are a different color when you're wearing a different color shirt? Does it change the perception? Probably. I'm sick of people talking to me about my, about my eyes. Yeah, I'm more interested in the ghost that just spoke on our podcast. If I'm being completely honest, you <laughs> really the just color of my eyes entirely. <laughs> Well, yeah, anyway, uh, I'm happy we got to talk to Ghost AJ, and uh, thank you for your hard work, sincerely. Uh, let's get into the episode. Yeah. Unless you have anything else to say um, to our ghost. No, I just want... Well, actually, before we do anything else, I just want to say again, Dragon Quest is 
just the best. Oh, are you still having fun with it? Yeah, man. I love that game so much. I feel I'm really I happy back like to the it. episode and I I don't know if I um was effusive as I could have been. I just wanna I just wanna inject it right here again and say I love Dragon Quest eleven S Echoes of Elusive Age hyphen definitive edition for the Nintendo Switch. I recommend playing it. Cool, man. I am debating getting it because uh, I have the weird PS4 version that's like, oops, we slipped and fell in a puddle. Mm-hmm. It's not quite as good, but I guess you can make do yeah. if you like lying to yourself. <laughs> Just so wait for it to be on sale eventually. Yeah, that's kind of it. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I truly don't need any other things right now. There's enough on my back. I still need to play more Control, mm-hmm. um, which I'm really enjoying. By the way, I picked that up recently. Yeah, that's so good. I am stuck at a boss. I will be the first to admit. Oh. It's our our Discord, which again, highly recommend joining our Discord. Links in the show notes. Everyone's talking about control. And it's funny because control is like half redacted documents. And like yeah. everyone in, in the Discord is very, very uh spoiler conscious. Very sensitive. To, oh not not sensitive to spoilers, but everyone's very like aware of like spoiling for others. Yeah. So there's a way to redact everything. But it looks like a control document. Yeah, it really does. Uh, it's, it's very awesome. funny. Um I need to get more into that. Maybe we could talk about it again. Uh, yeah, I'd like to. I, I haven't had time to go back to it um, in a while, but I should before the end of the year, which is nice. There there will be more controlled discussion for sure, yeah. regardless of... Uh, it will probably be after this spooky season is over but like that's a game that's worth discussing more yeah um, absolutely but uh for today's first segment i'm going to talk about a game that i actually recently streamed uh for those who caught it uh and if not it's on youtube our whole backlog is darkest dungeon yes uh a game that came out a few years ago uh, i think in 2016 and it's on everything i believe it's on uh i think it came out first in steam for pc and now it is on uh mac it's on ps4 it's on the vita apparently Apparently, I'm seeing here. Hell yeah. Uh, so that actually might be a great way to play it. Um, it is also on Switch. I have it on PS4. Yeah. I haven't played it on Switch, but I feel like this would be a very fun game to have handheld, and I'll get into that. Mm. Um, but Darkest Dungeon, developed by Red Hook Studios. Um, I don't know if they've done anything else. It does um, sound familiar. But oh, regardless, um, I got this game, I think, like a couple years ago and really enjoyed it. And then kind of moved on for whatever reason and then got back into it uh recently um but it's a really it's a really interesting game uh basically at its core it plays a lot like a very classic uh, Western RPG, very D and D adjacent, where you have like a party of four adventurers, um, and you can choose from a variety of different classes. I think you start the game with the same two characters. There's a highwayman and a crusader. Yeah, um, you always start with those two. Okay, and um, also worth pointing out right away, the game's visual style is really really neat. It's very Mike McNola, who does Hellboy. Um, mm. It's a really interesting art style. It's very. Uh, it's a lot of like kiriskuru lighting and like harsh like shapes very geometric um which you don't see too often yeah um i like it a lot uh it also has a little bit of like every character is exaggerated enough where it like almost has a final fantasy sprite vibe but like in that like gothic kind of style yeah um, it, it looks like um kind of um babadook adjacent like <laughs> line yeah. art sketches of things um yeah with with very heavy inks if that makes any sense yes very heavy inks for sure and that's why i thought of uh mike mcnola yeah um, who's a great artist it's beautiful uh, it's, it's a beautiful game even though it also is like very grim yeah grim and like honestly off-putting but like off-putting in a good way 
<laughs> it's grim dark for sure. Yeah. It's like it's probably the definition of grim dark in like a little bit of a cartoonish way. Right. And I'll get into that. But just in broad strokes, it's it's a very unique game. So it's hard not to go right into specifics, but just kind of broadly speaking, the setup is that you are inheriting this property from either someone you're related to, or I don't know the exact connection, but there's a really <laughs> Throughout the whole game, both the preface of the game's story and the entire game's events are narrated, almost like Bastion, where like what is happening is being narrated in real time. Okay. Um, and the narrator is like the hammiest, best voice. And honestly, that narrator kind of cuts the tension a bit. That's Everything good. is so over the top. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> if you heal an ally, he goes like a touch of compassion soon to be followed by eternal torment. And it's like, <laughs> you just, it's like our Corviknight voice. Yeah. You know? It's like, so, and it feels intentional in the same way that like, if, if this game was drawn, I, I don't want to say the term realistically, but if like the art style was like less cartoonish and if the narrator wasn't there, it would just be too unpleasant of an experience. Cause basically what's mm-hmm. happening is you inherit this property that's like very haunted clearly yeah i think you arrive on like a broken wagon and there's like zombies everywhere and like <laughs> you know it's just like this shithole hamlet um where there's like an insane asylum a bar <laughs> All the plumbing's fucked up and there's yeah. zombies <laughs> yeah well, the, the zombies are the least of my concerns there's shit everywhere boss uh I don't know why Danny DeVito's here, but uh, <laughs> there's literally like a bar, a graveyard, and an insane asylum, and like, you know, a guild or something. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and the game pretty much just like throws you right in where you have these two heroes to start. There's also a, a carriage that every time you come back to town, there are a random number of heroes to recruit, mm-hmm. and they're all randomly named, and each class has like you can change their appearance in in some ways um so like usually you'll see even if you have like a character of that class they'll have a different name and a different appearance yeah and you can get them for free you have to upgrade the carriage uh to both have more characters to recruit and to increase your total party size i believe the party size can go up to 16 maybe 12 mm-hmm. um but when you go out doing missions you have a party of four, and that way it feels very classic, uh, both Western and JRPG. So you choose a party of four, um, and all of the classes have unique abilities. All that's kind of familiar territory, but you'll also notice that all the characters have like personality traits. So uh, I believe the Highwayman, his like starting trait is like he isn't allowed to gamble in the town, and I'll get into what that means. But like, yeah. You know, there are ways to for the characters to blow off steam and he like can't gamble. So that's something he has. Oh, okay. Um uh, other characters might have like more specific things. And I'll I'll save what those could be for when I reveal like what what mechanic goes behind that. So once you choose a party of four, you can choose to do a mission. The missions starting out either like explore ninety percent of the rooms or like explore hundred percent of the rooms or like clear all room battles. And basically how the game is laid out is it's kinda like a dungeon crawler. Oddly enough, it's very much like Steam World Quest, which like okay. in tone is the complete opposite of this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like kind of in presentation and in the way you navigate the map is very similar where there are all these like left to right hallways. Like everything is a left to right linear passageway. But as you walk with your group group uh you might fight items um you might have random encounters you might have traps 
um, and you have your different characters in your party can interact with the environment in different ways. So mm-hmm. if you have a rogue or someone, they can spot traps ahead of time. Um, some characters can like scan the map so you'll know what the next room is going to have. And as you progress these environments and as you battle, and the battling is very fun. It's very classic turn-based combat. Um, and there's a lot of like really excellent animations and like the mood is always really tense it's a very hard game and it's hard because uh you're given these simple missions but uh as you go through these environments your characters get stressed out like literally there's a stress meter yeah and as you get more stressed out the characters like have kind of uh, once it gets to a certain level, they uh, their characters will change. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for worse. So sometimes you'll have a character oh, that like, okay. suddenly is like the one hanging together, and they'll have unique dialogue where it's like, we won't fall this easily, and you can see it's like inspiring everyone else. Other times, they might become masochistic or delusional. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I often, for some reason, a lot of my party mates just start having religious epiphanies, and they like are bumming everyone around them out, and you can just <laughs> see like the stress building up. Uh Um, And it can get to the point where the characters aren't doing what you're telling them to. Right. So it gets really tense and the game really shines a light on like what a toll these missions are taking on your roster of adventurers. So the constant kind of moral battle of the game is like, what is more important to you as a player? Do you want to fail the quest, uh, which will give the character stress, but you'll get back to town safely and you could reinvest your resources and try again? Or do you want to push them to their absolute limit to get the quest completed successfully yeah and the eeriest thing about the game is that only if you choose to emotionally invest in your characters like i do does it matter if you lose people because you can replace them easily there's no cost to recruiting more so the most efficient way to play the game is to just like not even worry about people and keep replacing them obviously like they level up so you have to invest in them in that way oh okay but like yeah you learn that pretty early on you're like oh no i don't want to do that yeah and like the game is almost setting you up to ask yourself that question yeah it it sounds a little bit like into the breach in that way where like you could definitely invest a whole lot of time in one pilot specifically and just make sure that they always survive but you know you could just as easily play that game just like dumping pilots left and right yeah and i think i think most players myself included will not do that because like you get so attached and that's also like the fun of the game it's i mean there is the permadeath feature like literally in the stream i did i lost my entire party like Except for one person. And I was like, oh my, because like, you're like, okay, can I do this? Can I pull this off? Mm -hmm. And most of the time you can't. It's a really brutal game. But there's something really fascinating about it. And the fact that like, if you do choose to keep your heroes and to invest in them, you have to let them blow off steam to decrease their stress between missions. So, and all of it, there's no healthy therapy happening in this cursed Hamlet. It's just like, you can gamble, you can go to the brothel, you can drink or you can go to the asylum and like get flogged like or pray <laughs> oh okay Those are your, yeah cool like so even that you feel really guilty because you're like oh my god and then sometimes like you know they stack up these these personality traits where like one of them is like they might eat all the party's food you know while you're progressing so then you suddenly don't have the resources to take care of everyone oh god so like yeah. if that happens it's like okay do i let this person go or do i put them through hell to get rid of that personality trait which is something you can do yeah so it's a real like there's no way to play this game where you feel good about your actions yeah so um, let me let me tell you why i've never gotten sure. this game because a lot this of sounds pe- very unpleasant yes yeah, so a lot of people realize. have recommended it to me and i have always bumped up against that 
whole ethos of like this game is just going to be dour 1000% of the time like we've talked about Fallout 3 and how I just like didn't even like being in that world and that even has like a fun like irreverence and like goofy humor to a lot of it but like the world was so grim that I didn't want to be part of it this just seems like nothing about it isn't grim with the exception of the narrator who is so over the top that it's goofy yeah i mean the narrator is is the like he steals the show like that narrator it does makes the game what it is i would also credit the art style for even though it is like a dark kind of gothic very lovecraftian game you know i'm still fighting fish people you know like i, I got yeah. killed by a giant snail so there is that tension cut a little bit mm-hmm. i'm not gonna lie to you it's it's a very like depressing and dour game yeah but i i don't know i i really like parts of it i think i don't know if i'll ever like beat it and i don't even know what beating it would even look like really yeah it's like it feels like if you're going to beat it it's going to be at some cost you know mm. either meta or or in the game and but i do really like games like fire emblem like uh nuzlocke pokemon runs where you get really invested in your team and you're so invested in keeping them alive yeah and the game does reward that you know as much as you have to work around it the game does reward you having you know a roster of characters that you have invested in that have leveled up that have gotten skills that are going to help you in the later missions and that really keeps me invested in the combat which i also enjoy and i think there's some fun classes like it isn't just like you know hero rogue healer there are those archetypes but like there's a beast master who has a dog there's a which is just no further selling needed um uh-huh. there's a cultist who like he can sacrifice his health to heal the team and he can also do things where like he can pull enemies in different positions because the enemy placement in this game is very important so like who is in the front row versus the back row they can do certain attacks from where okay. position they're in yeah in your party you can only like certain characters can only do certain things and they actually show you like what position a character is most like efficient to be in and what enemies they're most effective to use against so, right there's a lot of nuance within the combat like honestly it's a really cool system the thing that really is unique and i think they might have changed this in uh in one of the updates but it used to be that when you killed an enemy their corpse was still taking up a spot so you would have to like do damage to the corpse to get it out of the way to continue the fight oh wow jesus Um, okay yeah really really grim but again like it is cut by the art style it is cut by the narrator Mm -hmm. and you do feel victorious when you do pull off a mission you do feel good and even the narrator is like these foes can be beaten there can be hope and it's like yes i love this yeah so like i love how over the top it is and i i mean i I like this kind of game a lot yeah um i think it's worth checking out i mean you could probably get it pretty cheap at this point right um i think it would be fun to have on the switch i don't know how it plays but i think like this is a fun handheld game i do think though that like even though there are those things that cut the tension it is a game to play in small doses i mean if you watch the stream i go from being like wow this game's really interesting cool mechanics and i'm just like oh my god i just lost everyone i cared about <laughs> yeah so it's a fun game to like also i think play <laughs> in a group setting because it's just so theatrical yeah like, it's a fun thing to watch too yeah Um, that makes sense i i think i I just i think i just like landed on where you and i differ in terms because you and i both like difficult games and i think it just occurred to me like where you land versus where i land i think where do i land i think i think you're you live in the realm of like emotional masochism where like (laughs) where like you love to heavily invest in a thing that could die at any moment um yeah because because there's there's story there and there's tension there and i i think 
where I land on that on that in that realm is like uh like learned masochism, like educational masochism. A thing a yes. thing like Spelunky, where like I will die five thousand times until I'm the master of that thing. Um Yes. Yeah, it's interesting. I think this is a game where like But you and I meet in the middle at like Sekiro and Bloodborne and things like that. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's a very insightful point. And uh wow, that was really you just nailed it. Um, but like if you're if you're someone who likes kind of tabletop RPGs and you like kind of filling in the blanks a little bit, mm-hmm. like you're not gonna ever know these characters. They do have some really nice organic dialogue where like as you are walking through these environments, they'll talk to each other. Oh, cool. Um, they will have things where like you can set up camp on certain missions and like they'll talk during that depending on how they're doing. Like, I mean, <laughs> the one who's like delusional will just say things and you could see everyone else being like, uh, yeah. you know, getting stressed. Know respond, and th- like yeah. that can also sometimes be funny too. Um, at least to me, like sometimes the dialogue is like, again, it's, it's, it's campy in that way. But it's a rough game. It's a brutal game. It's not a game to play to unwind, for sure. Um, (laughs) And honestly, I think it's right to critique it for almost being, like, too brutal sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think that, like, it's a really... I would love to see a sequel. I think, like, there are so many cool ideas at play here. Yeah. And there's such great art direction and such great narration. And, and, like, the presentation is, is, like, perfectly setting the mood for what they seek to accomplish. Right. I don't normally like grimdark RPG stuff. I like my stuff stuff like SteamWorld Quest, you know? Yeah. But this is this has the theatrics that I like. And again, it has the emotional masochism that I like where <laughs> I'm investing. It's it's making the playthrough feel unique to me. And that's something that I really like in a game where it's like, who'd you choose to use? I use these characters and here's what they meant for me in this, yeah. in this tale. I love that. Um yeah. So I think if anything any of the things I said appeal to you, I would recommend it. But it definitely is like a very you'll need to be in a specific mood to play it. Um right. I would say watch some gameplay of it first. Uh again, you could watch the stream or just watch like, uh, this is a game that probably was pretty heavily streamed when it came out cuz I feel like it's such a it is a fun thing to watch. Um yeah. so yeah. It's a cool game. I'd recommend it. And I really want to see a sequel because I think, I think it, it could be finally tuned to be something really special. Yeah. 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 It sounds interesting. I mean, I, I have always seen it from afar and like kind of knew what it was, but not really. Uh, before we even recorded this segment, I had to like Google it to re- just make sure I was thinking of the right game. Uh, and I was. And um, I, I, I don't know if it's for me still, but it's definitely for a lot of people because a lot of people have recommended it to me in the past. There's a sequel in development, it looks like. Oh, hey, uh, look at that. You got your wish. announced it. <laughs> Everything Everything we say on this podcast comes true. (laughs) I mean, I I literally think everything with Sword and Shield is our doing. Not to be too egocentric, but like, (laughs) woof. I literally called Sir Fetched before it happened. Like, I, I haven't talked about this publicly, but like, the I was like, yeah, they could like make him like a Don Quixote night, and poof, it happened. Yes. Um, we're doing something dark here. Uh, we got to be careful with our power. Yes. Um, this is the darkest dungeon, Steven. But yeah, I think, oh, so they're a small team. Apparently, uh, darkest dungeon was made by five developers. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So they're trying to make the team bigger um, to make the next game. Um, so yeah, it's a really, it's a really neat, I think it's a really, really interesting concept and I think it's well executed. I just think it, it definitely depends on the mood you're in. And I think it's perfect for the season if you want kind of a spooky RPG to play with some friends. Yeah. By the time um, this episode comes out, uh, it'll be late in the season, but you got a few precious days of, uh, spooky shit. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> the narrator will go, be gone fiend when you kill a fish person. 
Uh, it's great. Great. Cool. I'm not even going to try to the narrator because I think he, like, you can't one up that, that vocal performance. It's too good. That's awesome. Yeah. Darkest Dungeon. Good game. Yeah. Check it out. It's available on everything, including the PlayStation Vita, the best console of all time. That's right. Other than the Dreamcast. Well. We, we both have our esoteric uh, <laughs> system that we champion. Yeah. Uh, all right. See you in hell. Bye. Steven, I want to tell you about a game that I saw on the internet today. Um, <gasps> oh, shit. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Oh, shit. All right. That's scary. <laughs> wow, that was... That was a lot. Um, yeah, so uh, I th- did I talk about Universal Paperclips on this podcast? No. <laughs> so uh, there's, a de- this is break, there's a developer. Steven. Don't worry about it. There's a developer named uh, Frank Lance. Uh, he's the head of the NYU Game Center. He's uh, He teaches game design and development uh, over at NYU. Cool. Great designer, great developer. Uh, has put out a bunch of really cool games. Um, Drop 7 was a really big one on iOS that was like, I don't know, j- just like a really solid um, iOS arcade like puzzle game um, like before people really even doing that. Uh, last year or two years ago, he released a game called Universal Paperclips, which was his take on like a clicker game, like a classic like idle game um, in which you played as a sentient AI whose only purpose was to make paperclips. And it starts with you just making a paperclip every time you press a button and ends with you, no joke, fighting in full on space combat eradicating all life in the universe um it is like the wildest game oh because i remember you told me that because it's the idea that if you program an ai to simply do one thing it will find the best way to do that yeah at all costs like if you don't have any safeguards in place like any any ai designed for any like hyper specific task will mean the end of humankind (laughs) um wow so it's an exploration of that via a clicker game which i thought was really cool anyway frank lance has uh developed a new game which uh is now on Kickstarter and I just wanted to bring it up very quickly in this mid uh, break segment uh, just to like highlight it but it's called Hey Robot and it is a uh, blend well it's kind of it's kind of a tabletop card game but it is more a game that you play with smart speakers um, and and the way it works is brilliantly shown off in their Kickstarter video maybe the only good Kickstarter video of all time um, <laughs> it is pretty much just it shows the card that says the word giraffe on it and somebody says I'm not going to say any of the hot words because I have a better billion different smart speakers in my house i don't want them to go off while we're recording but yeah i'll use siri because i don't have i don't have siri uh so it'd be like hey siri what is a african long-necked mammal and uh and and siri responds with like some random ass animal that is absolutely not a giraffe and then that person loses points uh so the whole conceit of the game is you need to try and make a smart speaker say that specific word in its answer to your question Um, and you get and every time you get it wrong that card is worth double uh, so you just like accumulate points over time. There's also a very short timer because sometimes if you ask like Google or other smart speakers certain things, they'll just read off entire Wikipedia pages to try and answer you. So there's a short timer that's like, no, 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 it has to say the word like within this amount of time. Um, <laughs> it is just like that's a so fun. Br- brilliant, really fun, so, so simple. It's amazing. It doesn't exist already kind of idea, which to me always just like 
speaks to brilliance, you know, like yeah. when, when ideas are that simple and that that uh, concise and wonderful. So, hey, robot, it's a, it's a game that you can get on Kickstarter right now um, as of uh, what we're recording this episode. What is it? The 23rd of October. Um, so it'll be up for a while. So go back that game if that sounds interesting cool. to you. I backed it literally as soon as I saw the first five seconds of the of the video. Hey robot, I, li- I like his focus on AI as a as like a central theme. Yeah, it's great. It's very yeah, cool. That's so cool. Um, Check it out. That sounds neat. Yeah. Hey robot. Anyway. Hey robot. Um, let's leave. See ya. <laughs> See you later, robot. See you later, robot. See you, space robot. Brendan, do you like Destiny Two? <laughs> <laughs> well, um. Let me uh, let me <clears throat> let me just consult some files. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I do. I was wondering. I was thinking about it. I was tossing and turning in my sleep. Does he like? Was it the first one or the second one? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! No, no, it was Halo Four. Halo Four oh, was, was Halo- like. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. Dark Zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it was the multiplayer for Donkey Kong sixty four. That's what he liked. <laughs> or you throw an orange at Lanky, uh-huh. the uncle, the uncle. <laughs> In the family. Is he the uncle or is he the weird friend? Uh Lang- He's an orangutan, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I don't think he's related. There I went real deep in the uh family tree of Donkey Kong recently at work. Um we could have a whole episode about that. Maybe that'll be a Isn't bonus episode Cranky one day. canonically the like Yep. He's the Donkey Kong in the arcade game where Donkey Kong throws barrels mm-hmm. at mario which yes, is amazing that, that is cranky kong uh and cranky is the father of of the rest is he like the odin of the kong family i think he, <laughs> he I gave think his he eye is. for wisdom yes yeah <laughs> uh we, we'll, we'll have to do I, a deep dive just look for uh next month's bonus episode which i'm sure will be that it won't be. i really love um D- the donkey kong country series i'd love to talk about that one day actually yeah um, we should do it uh but there's like whenever you've <laughs> Was that sarcastic? You laughed after. No, no, I just we we so quickly swerved away from talking about destiny. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got plenty of time. We're only a half hour That's in. That's true. Um, when he talked to uh, Cranky Kong and his like weird, can you let me going, finish going, my going. fun fact about Cranky Kong? Keep going. I, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I'm all ears. <clears throat> In uh, Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest, uh, when you go into Cranky Kong's weird lair, uh, he complains about how many buttons control... You're laughing at me away from the mic. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can I finish please, please, my please, fun please, fact please, please, about please, Cranky please, Kong? Please save me. <laughs> <clears throat> testing, testing. One, two, three. Apples, oranges, bananas. Apples, oranges, bananas. Okay. In... Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, SNES known colloquially. When you go into Cranky Kong's lair, that's the word that fucks you up. (laughs) You're covering your mouth politely, but it's not polite. Can I finish my Cranky Kong fun fact? In Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Kong Quest, when you go into Cranky Kong's house, he complains about how many buttons a controller has. And he says, back in my day, we had two buttons. He's referring to the arcade game he was in where he fought our favorite plumber. Goodbye. That was it. Was it worth it? Nope. Destiny 2. Uh, you're on the moon this time. Woo! <laughs> you know what's fucked up, though? The I forgot her name, but there's a, there's a very nice member of the Kong family who is a teacher uh-huh. who is how you save in Donkey Kong Country 2 Diddy's Conquest. And she's a ghost in Donkey Kong 64. She like tells you fun facts as a ghost. 
Whoa, she just dies? Maybe AJ knows her. Oh, he's a ghost too. I guess she dies of old age. She dies off of screen old. in between. She dies the games? off screen and like it becomes a ghost in, in Donkey Kong 64. Jeez. Is that weird? Spooky yeah. season. That game is weird. I have mixed feelings on the 64 Donkey Kong. Yeah. But we'll get into that in the bonus episode about the comic <laughs> The bonus game. episode. Everybody's been clamoring for it. The January 2020 bonus as, episode of 2020. I would play as Lanky and walk really slow because he did this weird kind of like Cirque du Soleil like, bow <laughs> as he walked around. I love it. But anyway, uh, I, I'm honestly sorry that took about a half hour um you like destiny 2 i know this we all know this i do i do i like destiny 2 you're not on the moon this time yeah i haven't talked about <laughs> destiny in a really long time um yeah let's hear i want you i, I want to hear everything truly honestly sincerely yeah uh so just like a, a very quick recap of my experience with destiny uh you and i used to write for a website we got alpha codes for destiny 1 i was very excited about it as a fan of the halo series bungie making a new thing that wasn't halo and always online pseudo MMO uh, first person shooter just like sounded really interesting like a loot and shoot kind of thing and uh, loved it pretty much immediately from like the alpha and played uh, Destiny 1 through all of its expansions pretty much nonstop. did not really take too much of a break during all of Destiny 1 and then Destiny 2 came out played it uh, pretty significantly um, or just played like a shitload of it uh, until a couple expansions ago when I kind of fell off that was the first time after like five years of playing the Destiny franchise that I was like I should really take a break from this and it's worth pointing out too that like a lot of people i feel like came and went during that time but you had stayed on like you were a very passionate fan yeah and you know, i despite, i do think despite the hurdles and in, in between now and then yeah that there's on one hand there's the classic thing where like the people who love a thing the most are gonna complain about it the most it's sure. you know i mean we're seeing that right. right now with with pokemon i guess um and, and sword and shield but like the desk the fandom quote unquote of destiny has always been like pretty toxic and shitty um yeah. I, I think the big reason that i continued playing it as much as i did was that i had a really solid group of people to play it with all the time um and that's yes. always my biggest recommendation for people is like if you're gonna play destiny well destiny 2 i guess now make sure you're playing it with a group of people not not that it's not fun by yourself because I also have found myself like on Sunday or Saturday mornings like getting up a little bit early and being like oh let me just like play Destiny by myself for an hour and just like listen to a podcast or listen to music or something and just like you know do some do some bounties or daily whatevers um, and I found that really soothing and great um, it's just kind of like a, a nice humbling thing to to play in the mornings but having a really solid uh, group of people to play with has always been my recommendation and now that's even easier because of Destiny New Light which is a free to play version of Destiny 2 that is now out that includes the base game and all the expansions up until the most recent one, which is awesome. That is like a ridiculous, ridiculous amount of content uh, that is available for free. Um, what that also includes, which I find really interesting, is the new location, new quote unquote location uh, in the new expansion, which is the moon. Uh, we are now returning to the moon. It, it is uh, a place that you visited a lot in Destiny 1. Uh, they have now just kind of ported it into Destiny 2 and added a whole bunch of wild new shit, uh, which I'll get into. Uh, but you can, without buying the new expansion, also hang out on the moon and explore it and stuff like that you just don't get the story reasons why you're there um and you don't get to like experience <laughs> the like the campaign are you on the moon i'm on the moon i don't know why i'm on the moon yeah but i'm on the moon i'm just here to collect yeah. helium filaments and bounce yeah anyway so that's just like a, a quick overall background of of uh, my experience with destiny i have the capacity to constantly love it um and i took a long enough break from it that now that I'm back in it, it's like, it's the right time for it. Um, yeah. And the game has really never been in a better place. Uh, Bungie has now split off from Activision and they are technically right. an independent studio, which, you know, heavy air quotes on 
the word independent there. But, you know, the, it is the first time that Bungie has ever been able to make a thing solely on their own, no corporate oversight, nothing by way of like unnecessary monetization or, or heavy handed whatever uh, influence from from anyone outside of just them. So it's kind of like a fight or flight situation where like they can really prove to themselves and to everyone else that like they can make a thing fully without anyone else's help. Um, yeah, which is really cool. It's a, it's a great spot for any developer to be in. Um, for sure. Which is why I was the most interested about this campaign because it's their first their first hurrah, hopefully of many, uh, and it's called Destiny 2 Shadowkeep is the name of it. Um, and the reason I'm bringing it up during spooky season is that it is straight up horror thriller. It is like very, very unsettling in a lot of ways. Um, and I fucking love it. I played uh, about two nights of it mm-hmm. back to back between uh, last night and the previous night, just like kind of tearing through the campaign um, partially by myself on the first night and then partially with my like group of people that I play it with on the second night, uh, just so I could get both experiences and like see how it works it is so cool so just to give like a quick like very very brief synopsis of lore reasons why this stuff is happening uh the destiny 2 campaign or or destiny i guess destiny 1 in general you are playing as a guardian you can resurrect constantly because you have this thing called the light um it they kind of like narratively explain why you are respawning in games which is like always just how you pull me right in because i love that kind of shit i have this whole theory about how destiny 2 is a game about making Destiny 2, but I can talk about that another time. But anyway, so you are a guardian who can constantly respawn because of this thing called light. You get light from this giant orb in the sky called the Traveler, which hangs out uh, in, in the earth or just like above the earth. Yeah, uh, I play. I played the vanilla core campaign of Destiny 2, so I'm familiar with all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, now that you're telling that to me, but I just wanted to let you know as well. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'll find you'll find where Shadowkeep goes interesting. I think then if you, if you played all cool. that. So yeah. um, you know th- this Traveler thing has hung in the sky forever pretty much um, has created uh, the ability for humans and robots and and the uh, and the awoken to like basically have like um, space they're called exo thank you yes, uh, yes. To, to have like space magic superpowers which is why you all have like I, I always call destiny uh, the best Avengers game of all time um, because <laughs> it just feels like you have like Avengers level superpowers at all times yeah um, but anyway like that all comes from this big orb in the sky called the traveler which you see in all the promo materials and things like that. The Traveler is like ambiguously good. You don't really know if it is actually like a good thing to have on your planet or not because over the years we've learned through like uh, just various pieces of lore, the Traveler kind of comes and goes in planets and when it comes, it provides like prosperity and wealth and like just incredible bounties to whatever planet it's hovering above. But sometimes it just decides to fucking split and when the Traveler leaves your planet, you are just decimated. All of that uh, plentiful anything that you had because of the traveler's presence there is just stripped away from you immediately and your society gets like pretty much thrown into the dark age again. So a lot of Destiny 1 and and Destiny 2's story specifically uh, revolves around uh, a a species called the Cabal uh, who are from Mars who are pretty much like we should have the traveler. Like the traveler should be the Cabal's. You play uh, this entire campaign fighting this big fucking guy. His name is Gaul. 
doll uh, who really wants the traveler and he gets the closest to it. He he has chained it down and he is like figuring out how he's going to tap into the traveler's power so he can become a guardian because the traveler has not deemed him worthy of becoming one. So he's like, I'm going to become a guardian. And the way that story ends, and this is as much as I'll spoil about like the ending of Destiny 1. Um, the way that story ends is Gaul pretty much figures out that the traveler has been asleep this whole time um, and in its asleep state has still been like providing this much power to like you and the earth and all of the guardians and stuff uh, but he figures out how to wake it up and to force it to give him like guardian level powers um, and in so doing waking up the traveler unintentionally it sends out a signal out into the universe towards these giant and this is like the post credit scene of destiny one like the base campaign these giant floating black pyramids way out at the end of the solar system um, and it is it was heavily implied in that point that, yes, the Traveler is a being of light and it is constantly on the run. That's why it's skipping from planet to planet. It is constantly on the run from its equal and opposite, a, a being or thing or force that is just the darkness that is completely ambiguous, absolutely terrifying in its ambiguity. And, and there was just no information that any guardian had ever had. There was no lore text or anything that was like, this is what the darkness is all about. Um, um, and there's been a lot of like different campaigns in between that have explored different things about different races and stuff. But the darkness has always been like completely ambiguous to the player until Shadowkeep. Shadowkeep mm -hmm. is the first time you actually get to see them. One of the Very characters cool. uh, from uh, from like the main hub makes her way down into the moon and finds buried beneath the surface. One of these pyramid ships uh, has been like embedded in the moon. And what ensues essentially throughout that campaign is like a psychological horror kind of element where the closer you get to that pyramid, the wilder shit gets where like you kind of like control very similar to control see a lot of like spectral beings just kind of like hanging in the air wherever you go and if you kind of look at them they disappear and like appear somewhere else um and they're like constantly screaming uh yelling like the last thing they said before they died uh it seems like <laughs> cranky kong said complain <laughs> <laughs> sorry that can't be the last thing I say before I die I refuse oh I got bad news for you um uh well look at that so th there's that, um, but the closer you get to it personally in the first mission, uh, the first thing that, or the last thing that happens in the first mission is uh, one of the raid bosses from Destiny 1 manifests himself again and it's clear that this giant black darkness pyramid uh, deep embedded in the moon is pretty much mining your memories for like the horrific shit that you had to overcome over the years. Oh and wow. It, and it is bringing all of those like like bosses and terrors back to you as a way to just prove its dominance over you, um, like psychologically and from like a power perspective. And you fight that thing for like 15 to 20 minutes and you do pretty much nothing to it. And then like at a certain point, once you get it down to a certain level of health, it just regenerates all its health and then respawns two other like long gone bosses from Destiny 1. And it's just like, you're absolutely fucked. <laughs> like there's nothing you can do. And, and what then follows is like a classic Destiny any kind of situation where you then have to like figure out a whole bunch of ways to like power yourself up and you know climb the ranks and light levels and all that kind of stuff get new gear that allows you to go into different places and do different things uh fight the hive fight the vex the vex are invading the moon holy shit this is wild vex are like uh robots that can travel through time and space obviously um but anyway they were my favorite uh faction that planet ruled nexus nessus nessus yeah yeah, yeah. nessus um, was a cool planet 
this whole expansion beyond being about the darkness is all about the Vex uh, invading the moon as well. Uh, so you would probably like this expansion a lot. Sign me up. Yeah, it's very cool. But essentially, it's just about like doing a bunch of different quests, learning more about what the darkness is, how you're supposed to fight it from like a psychological standpoint. Um, that character that that goes down and discovers the pyramid, her her backstory uh, from Destiny 1 is pretty much she went in with a raid team, like her and five other guardians went in to go fight this one being called called Crota, uh, and she was the only one that made it out alive. Like, Crota destroyed the light within them, so they couldn't respawn anymore, and and just, like, wiped them off the map, and she was the only one who came out alive, and, and she was blinded by the horrific shit she had seen, um, and, and she has this, like, weird dark magic. So this expansion pretty much sees her. With every mission you do, uh, the, the Dark Pyramid manifests one of her old raid partners just floating as, like, a ghost above her, just tormenting her constantly. So in all of these cutscenes where you're talking to her or like it's her and another person um she will be like mid-sentence and then she'll just turn around and be like please stop talking i need you to stop talking and everybody's just like oh my god we just need to help her please just somebody yeah. like do something to help her like go blow that pyramid up from the inside like stop whatever is haunting her it's really brutal and it is really unsettling and and uh, i'm just like very impressed with the vibe they've managed to elicit in that game like destiny over the years has been so many different things at, at different times like there have been heists there have been like straight fantasy straight sci-fi like straight military shooter um and and now they're like really uh, probably for the second time but like I think really really doubling down on the idea of like Destiny has the potential to be a horror game if it wants to be also um, and and there's like a deafness to it that I, I find really impressive like this studio is so good at doing so many things really well even down to like when you start the game up now uh, it plays what is almost like assuredly music inspired by the Haunted Mansion at Disney World <laughs> like it is it is the same exact organ sound playing almost the same notes um, uh, right when you turn the game on like it it just like settles you right into being uh well unsettled i guess um yeah yeah that's that really Shadow cool Keep. it's fucking rad I, so what do i have to get to play it because i just had the vanilla destiny 2 yeah if you had the vanilla destiny 2 uh you'll have everything else unlocked automatically the only thing you would need is shadow keep uh which i think is 30 bucks currently cool. um do you want to play it together i absolutely would i i'm planning on streaming this game a lot on our twitch channel Ooh. um because there's just so so much to do and like there's so little happening between now and the end of the year by way of games coming out that i want to play that like i think i'm gonna get back into destiny 2 in a real way which i'm really excited about um because i was doing the campaign i was doing a little like pvp because i'm just a really big fan of how uh the crucible works in, in destiny i like um, that too actually if memory serves yeah it's really fun like it, talk about um a multiplayer shooter game that you can just like turn your brain off and go play for a while like that is a really solid one i mean so like i think i've probably mentioned this before my experience with destiny 2 is i got it kind of just based on everyone's recommendation and i really enjoyed it i beat the campaign i i uh stuck around for a bit and then i kind of just moved on um yeah. i didn't have a group to play with mm -hmm. so that's kind of why i bounced but i'm definitely down to play more the reason i got feisty earlier about exo because i'm an exo titan you sure are very excited to uh to return to space especially the moon yeah um who is your character who do you have uh so throughout all of destiny one i played as a hunter um a human hunter um and i just i pretty much just played as her the the entirety of that game and then carried her into destiny 2 until the first expansion when i thought you know i've been playing this character for like three something years and you can 
have up to three characters. Uh, so I started a Titan and I played as a Titan for the next couple expansions. But they did this really wonderful thing at the end of at the end of uh, the last expansion going into Shadowkeep, where they just at any gear you had immediately raised its light level to 750, which was mm-hmm. like the baseline level you need to uh, be at to be able to play Shadowkeep at all. Um, so any piece of gear you had, anything you owned would immediately get raised to 750. So you could immediately start playing uh, without needing to do any of the previous stuff, which is like just a really, really nice touch, um, which was my impetus to switch back to my Hunter. So now I'm playing as Hunter again. And boy, did I miss it. You can jump so much. I'm like a cat. Yeah. It's awesome. Titans are not like cats. They're like tortoises or like uh, just mountains that can't move. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really liked. And you're right that's compared to the Avengers, because it's like if you're a Titan, it's like, OK, do you want to be Thor or Captain America? Pretty much. Because uh, I think I went with the because there's what the void ice fire. There's it's, probably it's, more. It's now void. It's void solar and arc. Uh, are the three um but but all of those three elemental types also have three different kinds of uh abilities within them um so Mm. like there's the uh so for solar for example for titan there's uh one that gives you little tiny hammers that you can throw a whole bunch of um there's another one that gives you a giant like like a mjolnir-esque hammer with like a huge staff on it that you like spin around really 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 fast kind of like a like a fiery tornado Um, yeah it's just rad. There are so many different things that you can do now. It's cool. Yeah, I think I went more with the Void, if memory serves, but you could switch pretty easily between them, so. Yeah, and there are pros and cons to, to everything. Um, yeah. Like, some sometimes some specific missions will call for, like, doing a specific uh, a specific element type, which is cool. I really like the XO. I like how they look. The cool robot design. Yeah, they're great. And honestly, like, the, the biggest thing for me, like, the biggest untapped resource for me, I think that would keep me into Destiny more than it... Than I currently am is just the lore is so interesting and like it is like the story like the story of the vanilla campaign is like fine I like got from what I've heard that there was really no story in destiny one so like yeah the fact that Destiny two had a story was impressive it's like pretty generic but I like you said like the planets and the enemies lay such intrigue and then the lore there is really interesting just the idea that you could play as like there are only three playable races, but the two races that aren't human, one are robots that have had like a mortal consciousness uploaded to them, which is yeah, a cool so, idea. So you'll see all the robots have uh, numbers at the end of their names, uh, and uh-huh. and those numbers indicate how many times they've died and been rebooted before they gained uh, sentience. Wow, I love that. Yeah, there's that, and then the Awoken, which apparently are humans that like looked at the stars for too long and became like elves, basically. Yeah, <laughs> they became like Lord of the Rings elves. Yeah, um, very funny. Yeah, it's uh, so, like the last expansion at- that we. Talk- talked about on the show um i think was forsaken which which pretty much brought you to the awoken homeworld, um, right and that was, was lord of the rings sh- yeah, yeah straight <laughs> rivendell lord of the rings shit uh and now yeah. we're f- like fully in like zombie shooter uh resident evil kind of like that's cool though because i think thriller we're in an actual universe so i think it's like it could be tonally inconsistent to have that many genres but like with a game that's going on for this long and that is trying to encapsulate the universe you're going to see all sides to it you know yeah. even just the microcosm of having the travelers equal and opposite exist and it, in a weird way the genres also exist we're like you're going to have the high fantasy you're going to have the psychological thriller i feel like the, my, this is kind of a weird comparison but i was thinking a little bit about skyrim in terms of like having this big world that kind of covers a lot of territory and yeah like, obviously all of skyrim is high fantasy but if you focus on certain things in that game you can get a very different story you know if you focus on uh 
<laughs> my friend Chris who listens to the show, he said, if you don't reference the Civil War quest in Skyrim, am I actually listening to your show? But I'm going to. <laughs> uh, you know, there's uh-huh. all the Civil War stuff in Skyrim, which is like very kind of almost Game of Thrones, like low fantasy, very mortal, mortal issues, like the horrors of war kind of stuff. Right. There's all the dragon stuff. This all sounds like, okay, cool hot take, but there are quests in Skyrim that like you might miss the first dozen times you play them that really create a different tone i'll never forget like recently when i picked up skyrim for the whatever time like a few months ago if not a year ago it was a quest where i ended up in a deep underground jail where like you lose all your inventory mm-hmm. it's in uh it's in markarth um it's the forsworn conspiracy if you keep doing yes. that quest you eventually get arrested and then you're put in this jail that that like famously no one has escaped from you don't have any of your equipment all you have is like rags and you have to like actually make relationships with the other prisoners Mm -hmm. to get out and there's a lot of like moral like you know there's a dude who's like okay like i have a plan to get us all out of here but you have to kill this guy with the shiv you know if you want in basically right and the fact that skyrim has that kind of drama in it somewhere the fact that like i have to navigate like a Breaking Bad relationship in Skyrim uh, yeah. is so is so interesting. So I bring that up kind of just as a comparison to Destiny in terms of like a, a single game covering a lot of different genres, and somehow totally. it all feels like it's in one big fully realized world. Yeah, yeah, it it really does. Um, my my go to outside of the Civil War thing for Skyrim is always the uh, the the Mages College, um, yes. where like you could just break that whole thing out as its own game, and I would play that by itself. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah. Destiny two um, has explored so much, um, and and really like your your character's narrative is pretty much like the um, like you are just being sent to wherever the biggest baddest thing is in the universe, and you just have to like protect the traveler and protect uh, the tower from that like protect the earth um and and that just like manifests itself in like weird bizarre ways like a giant space worm that uh you know travels through lord of the rings or um like like an old uh an old dark fucking magic god that uh appears uh hanging out outside mercury or uh an extremely wealthy uh giant cyborg uh who just wants you to play in his like weird hunger games um in like a giant opulent gold spaceship like this game has done so much but you're right it, it does feel cohesive and it feels um it feels fully realized and what's really wonderful about about destiny 2 compared to the first one still to this day is like all of the lore in this game is contained within the game you don't have to go outside of the game to like a weird website to check it all out like you and can, that is something that elder scrolls definitely suffers from like you got to go to a weird wiki that will give you a virus to learn about some of the fun stuff right you, you have know? to go to virus.com to check it out um sl- slash <laughs> slash ts Oh, slash um, uh what is the race of trolls that wear capes okay. right. yeah. HTML. Yeah, I'll, just, I'll just tell you and save you the malware yeah i i uh i, I can't recommend destiny 2 enough especially now that it's technically free like you could just download the new light uh version of it and play all of that early game stuff for free is like totally wild because that is like such an amazing value and and i just hope that if you do check it out um you enjoy it because i have gotten literally actual like years of of um i don't know of happiness from it and and joy it's been like a a weird constant in my life for so long at this point that i'm glad i'm glad that it's back uh especially in a more healthy way than how i used to play it because i'm excited to play with you yeah for sure yeah 
Yeah, it's weird. You've had you've also had a kind of complicated relationship with Destiny because like when we started this show, you were like like kind of weaning off of it almost. Yeah, this show was kind of the impetus for me to stop playing it uh, for a while. I also. said, stop it, stop yeah. it, play yeah. FF Seven. Exactly. Yeah. No. I. I mean, anytime an expansion came out, I would play it until like I would play it literally all night, regardless of what day of the week it was or anything. Like I would just play the entire story until it was done. Now I have self control when I play Destiny, uh, <laughs> which is good. Now I have focus. I have. Clear clarity things are grounded things are grounded i'm running through a field because i'm so happy about my claritin prescription i'm so happy i'm on the moon <laughs> i'm so happy to be on the moon even though it's haunted <gasps> scary do you i do have a question though do you find that them showing the darkness has kind of like lessened the mystery at all no that's a great um, question no. uh, yeah if, if we're going to compare that to um what we were talking about with resident evil 2 and 7 um, right what is what is successful about the way destiny 2 is handling this villain or this quote-unquote villain is like i first of all i don't know what's in the giant black pyramid i'll get in there eventually i imagine but i don't know what i'm going to find in there but what i yeah. have seen so far is manifestations of raid bosses that it took me and five other people literally five nights in a row of like eight hour sessions to beat uh, and wow. it was like just fight this by yourself and good luck you know so like the the fact that this stuff that like I have in the past grappled with and like had a really difficult time taking down is now like just showing up at random just for funsies just to like yeah. torment me is enough to just say like whatever is inside there must be 10 times worse than that yeah that is something too that like uh, Dark Souls games and like Hollow Knight do a lot where you'll fight this tough boss and then that's just the new common enemy you know yes um, yes 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 uh, that's really cool to hear I um I do love when fantasy or sci-fi have a threat that is just like beyond even the comprehension of the characters in the game um yeah that's really cool it's hard to pull off well they did that a little bit with the reapers in mass effect but then they kind right. of explained it a little a little too much little later too much. on but yeah it still worked for me there are know, so later. many open-ended like huge questions in destiny 2 about like entities and and beings and places and things um that like they could fully explain what the darkness is in this expansion and there would still be something else around the corner that's like just as terrifying or interesting you get into the black pyramid and it's cranky kong's hideout his <laughs> <laughs> lair whatever the song that is. would be scary Ow. That's it. <laughs> yeah um cool do you want to wrap up i'd love to wrap up i'm fucking done with this i'm really excited to play with you finally finally that's another white whale like your white whale has been to find a jrpg like and you found like three which is amazing i'm so happy yeah when we when we uh look back on how this year has gone who boy and you've gotten three very different ones because i think like fire emblem three houses is like you know the future right mm -hmm. final fantasy 7 is like a modern classic and Dragon Quest is like the the origin. So you've kind of played like the past, present, and future of RPGs yeah. and enjoy them all. Yeah. You got any of this whole time. Now just be Persona 5 so we can do an episode about it. Hey. Uh, You'll never see it coming when I tell you that I beat that game. <laughs> <laughs> you, do, you do keep secrets from me. I do. Uh, which is very powerful. Yeah. Um, Persona is always a winter game for me. We'll see if like this January, February, that works. That makes me. sense, man. I don't know why. It's a spring game for me and it ruins my social life. <laughs> 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 it's like my birthday and people are like waiting outside my house. I'm like, nope. Yeah. Got to gotta fuse Personas. I got to get oberon as uh, my persona yeah for me it's like well i'm not going outside anyway so i might as well go in the heads of the most morally decrepit people possible <laughs> 
I have, before we wrap up, I have a list of patrons in front of me. Um, and I give a shout out to our patrons. That is the $1 perk. And you also get it if you pay anything more than that. Um, thank you. The fact that this list is this long is very humbling. Thank you all for your generosity. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, it's in alphabetical order. So I'm actually going to start at the bottom this time. So it's not the same order every time. Sure. Uh, thank you very much to Spencer, Scout, Philip, No Name, Min, Micah, Melly Muffin Pie, Marcel, Mark, Kyle, Kim, Cameron, Jeff, Jason, Inez, Hilton, Christopher, Brett, Bolt, Benjamin W., Benjamin D., Bede, Andrew, and Akira. Thank you all so much. We say it every week. It's it means a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, just for everyone else, like thank you so much for listening at all. Uh, it's just yes. really amazing and humbling, and we love doing this show so much. Uh, it's brought us so much joy. It has. It really has. Yeah. Um, if you like it, sharing it really helps. Writing in, uh, I almost said iTunes. iTunes is over, right? It's Apple Podcasts now. iTunes is dead, baby. Apple Podcasts get, forever. Get your Zoom out. Uh, email <laughs> review to rocketmail. Open up biz. Windows Media Player on your Windows Vista machine. Scream at Kazaa. Say <laughs> five stars. Five stars. I love this. Uh-huh. Pull you know out your Hey You Pikachu microphone. <laughs> um, if you don't want to write a review, which I know is kind of like intense, uh, rating it out of five stars is also extremely helpful. Yes. It does truly help. That's why everyone asks. Yeah, but honestly, just listening is is the most important thing, and it means the world to us. And we're really happy to uh, kind of have a community building around the show. I feel like we've made a lot of friends, and everyone there is really nice there. I mean, our Discord, but also just like, you know, in the universe. Um, yeah. But the Discord link is in the show notes. Um, it's bit.ly slash TWG Discord for those of you looking for it. We have a Twitter account uh, that's at Into the Cast. We have a Twitch account that's at Into the Cast. Um, and I think that's it, actually. We have a email address if you want to email us anything. Uh, yeah. You always forget this because it's like the most drawn out email, but it's into the aether podcast at gmail.com. Sure is. I also bring that up because we have in the past had some people who have um, asked us questions to talk about on the show. We always love doing that. No pressure if you don't have anything in mind, but if any of you want to hear us discuss anything or have anything you want to bring up, um, you can email that to us. You can tweet at us you can message us on twitter or you could post in the discord whatever you find easiest and most comfortable yes we love answering questions period <laughs> yeah i think that's it and that's actually it that is actually it hey thanks thanks to hey, you steven thank you. thanks to you aj our ghost producer oh yeah yeah he's a ghost um thank you aj for real for everything you're welcome and that's it uh we have one more Spooky season episode or no? Uh, well, you and I have uh, another spooky season episode that we want to release in November. Um, so just be ready for that, I guess. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, see you next week. Yeah. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. Hey, it's me, AJ. A ghost. Garbage dot online.